Welcome everybody to this series on Hinduism where I'm going to answer eight important questions about Hinduism. Actually, probably a few more than eight, but we'll call it eight since there are eight days in this series. And the first question I'm going to take up today is regarding an age-old debate between, you can say between religion and science, or between those who believe that material progress is more important and those who believe that spiritual progress is more important. In Hindi, you can say those who believe in Adhyatmavad and those who believe in Bhautikvad. Adhyatmavad means the belief that spiritual progress, progress towards God, is what is most important. And Bhautikvad is the belief that Material progress is what matters most. So, what is more important? Can either stand alone? Someone might say, all I need is God. I don't need anything from this world. Someone else might say, this is the modern age. This is the age of reason, the age of science. Religion, that was for our ancestors, that was for people who didn't understand about science and didn't have all the scientific proof and evidences and discoveries that we have nowadays. Religion is past its time now. We don't need religion. We have so much material progress. That's what we need, more material progress. So this is a debate which is not new. Some of you may have this debate going on in your own home. Maybe you're someone who says, Oh no, just let me say Radhe Radhe. And I don't need anything from this world. No worldly responsibilities. Food may come, food may not come. Sleep may come, sleep may not come. As long as I have God's name, I don't need anything else. And maybe you have a brother or a husband or a friend in your own house who says, what? What kind of nonsense is this? What world do you live in? You live in a physical world. You need to look after your physical responsibilities and you need to give your body its physical necessities. What is all this talk about Ram Ram, Sham Sham? Just get what you need from the world. You might have a debate like that going on in your own house. In fact, you might have that debate going on in your own mind. You might not be able to decide, really, what's more important? I believe in God, I want to believe in God, but this world is right here in front of me. Can I just ignore the world? Can I just ignore my material needs and responsibilities? Or maybe you're a more materialistically minded person and, and you think, really, this world is the most important thing. But in some corner of your mind, you're thinking, but can I really ignore God? So today we're going to resolve this age-old debate. First of all, let's look at it from one side. Does it make sense? Is it logical for someone to say, all we need is the world, we don't need anything from God? Someone may say, look at the amount of progress we've had in this world. Bhautik unnati. The amount of material progress, scientific progress in the last 50 years is mind-boggling. No one could have imagined 50 years ago some of the things that we have happening today. If, think about what we have. With Skype, you can talk to your parents in India as if you were having a face-to-face -face conversation, even though you're here in America. You can answer emails from anywhere in the world, anywhere, at any time. You can uh, eat any kind of food you want 12 months of the year. Here in New York, there are probably hundreds of different countries' style of food represented at one restaurant or another, at one grocery store or another. 
with because of scientific progress, you can eat mangoes 12 months a year if you want to. That wasn't possible even 50 years ago. So a materialistically minded person would say, look at the progress. Look at the progress medicine has made. People's overall, the life expectancy in a more advanced countries is growing longer as science progresses and is able to cure certain diseases. So much progress in the medical field, in terms of food, in terms of enjoyments and entertainments. Basically, you can say, if you have enough money, you can have anything you want in this world, from any country, any time. Even a king a hundred years ago couldn't enjoy that kind of luxury that a middle-class person enjoys nowadays. If a just a person earning an average wage, if they just think, oh, you know what, tonight I want to eat Chinese food, he can go eat Chinese food. Oh, no, tonight I want to have pizza, he can have Italian. Oh, no, tonight I want Indian food, he can have Indian food. Someone thinks, um, tonight, I want to experience what it's like to visit another country. Okay, go and get on a plane, be in another country. If you have enough money, you can do anything like that. A king a hundred years ago, who was the king of his whole area, he couldn't have had that much entertainment and luxury at his fingertips as even an ordinary person living in America has today. So a Bhautik Vadi would say, how can you compare? There's so much progress happening. If one of you today went back in time a hundred years ago and spoke to a king of that time and told that king, oh yes, my parents are not in another country, but I can have a face-to-face -face conversation, conversation with them anytime I want. I can eat mangoes 12 months of the year. I can talk to anyone anywhere around this world. I can go to any country within a few hours anywhere around this world. That king would have thought you were some kind of god. That much material progress we've seen. So a materialistically minded person will argue this point that look at how much progress the world has seen. And a spiritually minded person will say, no, there's no progress happening in the world. There is no adhyatmic unnati happening. If you look at people's state of mind, that seems to be degenerating, degrading. If you compare even from when I was a child, which is not that long ago, growing up in the village where I grew up, nobody locked their house. We never locked our house unless we were going away on a vacation for a few days. If we were just going out somewhere for the day or even for the night, the house stayed unlocked. People left their keys in the ignition of their cars when they went into a store, when they went into their house. You might ask, uh, so, uh, Swamini Kilanan, were you born and raised in Swarg? What kind of a place is that? We've never seen and heard of such a thing. No, that was just that time. People were more honest. People were more trusting. I guarantee you in the same town nowadays, nobody leaves their house without locking their doors. Nobody leaves their keys in their ignition of their car. Why? So much scientific progress has happened since then. The world has progressed so far, but look, just examining this one characteristic, has the world progressed spiritually? No, it's regressed. By this simple fact, you can come to that conclusion that nobody in the town I grew up in will leave their door unlocked anymore. It proves that people are less honest than they were even 25 years ago. There's more cheating, more dishonesty, more crime, so it means that spiritually the world has not progressed. So again, we have the same argument. This world, by the way, we call sansar. It's defined as being sansaratiti sansara, gatchatiti jagat. 
Sansar means that which keeps moving from one state into the next. Jagat means that which keeps moving forward. So the world is that which keeps moving forward. So the question is, is it moving in an upwards direction or a downward direction? Are things getting better or are things getting worse? So the Bhautikvadi will, will say, there's no question, things are getting better. I can sit, I have uh, 3,000 channels on my dish at home, I can come home, I can, I can watch the cricket game that's happening half a world away in England. The world is progressing. And the Adhyatmavadi will say, no, things are regressing. Things are getting worse in the world because the state of people's minds is degrading. So which one is right? Let's take the side of the Bhautikvadi first. Does it make logical sense to say that we don't need spirituality, we don't need God, we don't need spiritual progress or happiness? All we need is our physical needs met and lots of resources at our disposal to enjoy the world. Like uh, Charvak said, Yavad jivet sukham jivet kritva irinam kritva ghritam pivet bhasmi dehasya bhutasya punaragamanam kutah. Charvak said, When this body dies, you're done. When this body is burnt to ashes, you are finished. Your existence is finished after death. So, might as well be happy as long as you can. As long as, as, long as you're living, just enjoy. Beg, borrow, steal, do whatever you have to to enjoy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Because you know what? After your physical death, you are no more. There's nothing after this. No other life, no afterlife. When you die, you're finished. So, as long as you're here, you better enjoy. Do whatever you have to. Tell lies, cheat, steal, borrow, but enjoy life to the fullest. Try to get as many things around you as you can to enjoy. People, things. This is Charvak Siddhant. So if someone lives like this, is it really enough for them, first of all? Understanding that <coughs> our true goal is happiness, whether someone is a Bhautikvadi or an Adhyatmavadi, both of their goals is happiness. The Adhyatmavadi is saying that true happiness is in God. And the Bhautikvadi is saying true happiness is in worldly enjoyments. But both want happiness. So can the Bhautikvadi attain his goal of finding happiness if he ignores God and spirituality completely? The answer is no, he can't. Give a person everything he can dream of. Well, first of all, before we go that far, let's just say, what if everybody in this world had everything they need? In other words, enough food, a house over their head, medicine when they need it, a good education, a nice family, not too many big problems, just a normal, healthy life with enough of everything. In other words, what most of us sitting here today have. What if everybody in the world had that, at least that much? No one was starving, no one was homeless, no one had big family problems, everybody had a stable family life. Would anybody be happy or would everybody be happy? Ask yourself, are you happy? You have enough of those things, probably more than enough, enough money, enough food, house roof over your head, probably more than enough space, what you need. If you're living in India, 
probably I'm just taking a guess here, but look at the space you're living in today, wherever you live, whether you're in a condo or an apartment or a house, the space you have, if you were living in India in a traditional family, you would probably have five times the number of people living in that space that you are living in right now in America. But are you happier than you would be living in a more crowded environment in India? No, not necessarily. When you came from India, many of you, I've talked to many people who came in the 60s and 70s with just a few dollars in their pocket. And they went to school here in America, they started their career, and now they're, many of them, most of them who came in the 60s and 70s, they're living in a big house in the suburbs now. They had kids, they raised their kids here, they, their kids went to school, their kids got married, their kids started their careers, and their kids live in an even bigger house now. In other words, they made it. They came to America, and in the view of everyone that they were with there in India when they left, they made it. They made it big. They're living the American dream. Or maybe you came in the 80s or 90s on an H-1 visa. You finished your education in India, and before getting married, or maybe just after getting married, you came to America with dollar signs in your eyes. And maybe you did make a lot of money here. And maybe you were able to save up enough and get a house and start a family. But ask yourself this. Internally, are you any different than you were at that time when you first came to the country? Meaning in terms of happiness. There's probably not much difference, actually. If you're really honest with yourself, if you remember to ha back to how you felt Never mind what's around you. Never mind what you've been able to accumulate in terms of possessions and the house, the nice house you live in, and how many figures, how many zeros are after the, the comma in your bank account, or whether you have a six-figure salary or a seven-figure earnings every year. Never mind all of those external things. Remember to how you felt when you first came to America. And how you feel now, is there that much difference? I don't think there is. In most cases, you're probably about the same. So you multiplied probably by many times the amount of luxury and possessions and things that you have. But did you multiply the happiness you feel inside? No, it's pretty much the same. So if we give everybody in this world what we have in terms of physical comfort and physical entertainments and luxuries, will that multiply their happiness? No. Maybe it will bring them to a certain level that if someone is suffering, they're homeless, they're starving, okay, you'll remove that suffering from them. And you can bring them to your level, your level of physical comfort and you removed some of their pain and suffering, but have you multiplied their happiness? No. They're pretty much the same. So even if we have everything we need, we're still not that happy. We're still feeling inside that something is missing. We're still looking. We're still searching for something. Now let's multiply this even further. What if we gave someone everything? Let your imagination run wild. Not just what you need, not just a house over your head, not just money in the bank, financial security, but what if you could have everything in this world? What if I could make you the king or queen of this entire world? You alone rule the whole earth planet. Everything belongs to you. Everyone has to obey your orders and serve you. You have and own everything and everyone. Then would you be happy? Would your happiness be more then than it is now? Amazingly, no. Now there's a perfect example of this, which is told in the Bhagavatam. There was a young king named Yayati. 
Yayati, at a very young age, he became king, and he was not just king of India, he was king of the whole earth planet. And in his young age, he made a big mistake against Shukracharya. And Shukracharya cursed him to lose his youth and become an, an old man, so old that his body was decrepit, he couldn't enjoy all of the things at his disposal. He couldn't enjoy being king. He couldn't enjoy the pleasures of the world. So he begged, please, I've just been married. I have a beautiful young wife. I have the whole world at my disposal. Please, I'm sorry, please take the curse back. He said, it's too late for that, but I'll give you one loophole. You already have nine sons, so if you can get any of your sons to trade places with you, in other words, they will take your old age, you can have their youth. If you, if you can convince any of them, then you can have their youth. So he went to each of his sons, starting with the eldest, and they all said, no, I can't do that. But the youngest one, Puru, he agreed. So he said to him, Yayati's plan was not to take his son's youth forever. He just said, let me enjoy for a while. You take my old age, I'll enjoy for a while, and when I'm satisfied, then we'll trade back. In other words, let me keep enjoying this world until I feel fulfilled and content that I've enjoyed enough, I don't need to enjoy anymore. Then we'll, we'll trade back. So, Puru agreed. <clears throat> and Yayati became young again, and with his beautiful young wife, Devyani, he enjoyed all of the pleasures of this whole earth planet for 1,000 years. This is in Satyuk, so that's nothing. People lived for a long time in Satyuk. In Kalyuk, we're lucky to live 80 or 100 years. In Satyuk, living a thousand years was normal. So for a thousand years, he enjoyed all the pleasures of this whole earth planet. And one fine morning, he woke up next to his wife, Devyani, and he had a moment of personal insight. He thought to himself, I'm no closer to fulfillment than I was a thousand years ago when I began this little experiment. This is a perfect experiment, isn't it? To find out if there's real happiness in the world. Give someone everything on the whole earth planet at his disposal and the means to enjoy it and say, enjoy away. And tell me when you've had enough. Tell me when you're fulfilled from this worldly enjoyment. That's what Yeati did for a thousand years. And one morning he just realized, I'm no, I don't feel any more content now than I did a thousand years ago. In fact, my desires are more. You know when you feel a desire in your heart, it's actually that you feel a lack. Something is missing, so I want this thing and maybe that thing will fill the void that I feel inside. So when Shankaracharya was asked, what does it mean to be poor? What is the definition of daridrata? He said, Kova daridro He said the definition of poverty is to have desires. Because the more desires you have, the more void you feel inside, the more lack you feel. So Yayati said, I have more desires now than when I started a thousand years ago. How is that possible? Because when you have a material desire, that material desire doesn't reduce by, by giving that desire. In other words, let's say, Someone has a desire to enjoy anything in this world. How do you enjoy? Through your five senses, right? You enjoy by seeing. You enjoy by hearing. You enjoy by smelling. You enjoy by tasting. And you enjoy by touching. 
So let's say someone has the desire to experience any kind of joy, joy of seeing something beautiful. So when you see something beautiful, does that then mean for the rest of your life that desire is gone from your heart? Oh, I saw something beautiful one time. I don't need to see anything beautiful ever again. It doesn't work that way. You see one thing beautiful and you, then you start thinking, I want to see something even more beautiful than that. So let's say you see something even more beautiful. Then are you satisfied? No. Immediately your heart says, I wonder if there's anything more beautiful. And you're always looking. You look at all the people you see. Is that person more beautiful? Is that person more beautiful? We look everywhere. Is this scene in nature more beautiful? Is the picture on this television more beautiful? High definition? So, our eyes are never satisfied. Is our taste bud ever satisfied? Oh, one time I went to Kolkata and I had the best rasagulla. So does that mean you never desire to taste anything sweet ever again? Oh no, I had the best. Oh, you start thinking, I wonder if there's anything better than that. That desire also goes on multiplying. The more you eat, the more you eat for taste, the more your desire for tasty things multiplies. If someone desires to enjoy the association of a male desires to enjoy the association of a female, a female desires to enjoy the association of a male. So once they've experienced that, is their desire finished? No, they desire to enjoy it again. More. Every desire that we have goes on multiplying. So by giving that thing that we're desiring, that does not put the desire out. Like, think of the desire as a fire. So that's not like pouring water on the fire of your desire. In fact, it's like pouring ghee on the, on the fire. If you think, oh, there's a fire burning, quick, put it out, and you dump a big bucket of ghee on it, what's going to happen? It'll just burst into flames and burn even higher. It's the same thing. Oh, I have all these material desires, so I have to enjoy all the objects of my desires, and then my desires will go away. That's what Yayati was trying to do. So did he succeed? He said, no, it's like pouring ghee on a fire. My desires just went on multiplying. I have more desires now than when I started a thousand years ago. I feel more lack inside of me now than when I started a thousand years ago. Ya yatrithivyam vrihiyavam hiranyam pashavastriya nalamekasya paryaptam he says, therefore, enough is enough. He says, I've had everything on this earth planet and I'm still not satisfied. He says, desires, material desires cannot be fulfilled in this way. He says, Puru, you take your youth back, I'm going to the jungle. Give me my old age back. Enough is enough. So if Puru couldn't find satisfaction by doing that, what are we going to find? Puru had more than Bill Gates, sorry, Yayati. Yayati had more than Bill Gates has now. Does any of us realistically believe that we could become like Bill Gates in this life? So what are we talking about? We're talking about thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars or even a few million dollars. Do we really think that's going to satisfy us? No. Even if you could pray to God, or pray to a genie in a bottle, or any way possible to get your wish fulfilled to become a millionaire right now, or a multi-millionaire, or even a billionaire, most of you would think, oh yeah, I heard Swamiji's lecture today, there's no happiness in money, but if someone gave you the chance to become a millionaire, you just hope. Oh, everything would go out of your head, whatever you heard me say today. And he says, yes, yes, I want to be a millionaire. 
So we have that desire, but we don't, don't we really get it that even if someone could make us a multi-millionaire today, it wouldn't change us on the inside. So this is the first point to keep in mind that a bhautik vadi cannot find happiness simply by indulging in material pleasures. So no amount of scientific progress, no amount of material progress can result in someone actually attaining happiness. Point number two, what are we going to do with all of that progress? That depends on how we are in here, doesn't it? Take the example of a gun. That's a scientific development, a, uh, an invention, it's technology. So this is the result of scientific progress. But now guns can be used by different people for different things. Someone can use a gun for a bad purpose, someone can use a gun for a good purpose. A police officer can use a gun to uphold the law and defend people. A criminal can use a gun to perpetrate a crime. So the technology is there. How is it going to be used? Is there any kind of technology which can control the way we use it? No. That's up to us. So what is going to determine how we use the technology? This machinery in here. <laughs> and that machinery is not affected or controlled by material progress. That's our own mind. So spiritual progress actually means purity of your mind. For today, understand spiritual progress from this perspective, that the more you progress spiritually, the more purity you get inside. Your heart gets purified. So the purity of someone's antahakaran determines how they will behave, what kind of actions they will perform. So whether someone uses technology for a good reason or for a bad reason depends on how much spiritual progress they've made, how pure is their heart. So it means that material progress cannot stand alone. We can go on inventing nuclear weapons but what are we going to do with them? Are we going to destroy ourselves with them? That depends on the state of our mind. So we need spiritual progress to complement the material progress. Give someone everything, but let him be completely disturbed inside. No spiritual progress, complete impurity in his mind, full of anger, hatred, jealousy, is he going to be able to enjoy all of those material things at his disposal? No. So it means that material progress alone is not enough. We need spiritual progress as well. All of the things inside which are defilements of our mind, like anger, jealousy, hatred, dishonesty, hypocrisy, None of these things can be removed with material progress. That I've already proven to you when I explained that look at the material progress we've made in this century. Yet look at the degradation in people's behavior. People are less disciplined, less honest. Those of you who are in business, you know you expect to be cheated. You expect that when you're dealing with a competitor, every word out of that person's mouth may be a lie. And he believes the same thing about you. You believe that he's going to try to cheat you, and he believes that you're going to try to cheat him. And many times it's true. This is the state of the world nowadays. Business ethics? Really? No. <laughs> Not anymore. It's get what you can. Do whatever you have to to get ahead. If you have to lie, tell lies. 
If you have to be dishonest, be dishonest. This is the state of the world now. This is the general direction. So why is this happening even though we're seeing so much material progress? Because material progress has nothing to do with our internal state. Devotion to God purifies your heart, so only that can fix your internal state. Tulsibas Ji goes to the extent of saying even ordinary spiritual practices cannot purify us internally. He says, Ek vyadhi vashanar marahi ye asadhya bahu vyadhi He says, physically speaking, a person can die from a single physical disease. But mentally speaking, how many diseases do we have? Kaam, Krodh, Lob, Mad, Matsarya, Irsha, Dvesh, Pakhand. All of these mental afflictions I mentioned before, like anger and jealousy and hatred, we are afflicted by so many of these mental diseases all of the time. So how can they be cured? Tulsidas Ji says, Nema dharma achar tap yoga yagya japadana bheshaj kotina bheshaj punikotina kariya ye asadhya bahujana. Nay, they are asadhya, they are incurable diseases of the mind. So it means that no material means could cure you of things like anger. There's no pill you can take that can cure you of anger, that can cure you of desire, that can cure you of jealousy or dishonesty. These are things we have to fix from the inside. How can they be fixed? Raghupati Bhakti Sajivan Muri Only Bhakti which means attaching your mind to God. This is a topic for later in the week. What is bhakti? How do we do bhakti? But for now, just understand that by attaching your mind to God, your mind gets purified, and that alone is considered spiritual progress. And that alone will reduce the negativities of our mind. So it means that, again, from this point of view, even a materially-minded person is dependent on spirituality. Through material progress, we can learn to control this outer world. Even scientists have learned how to seed clouds to cause rain. Sometimes they're successful. So to some extent, they can control the weather. Imagine. Definitely inside a building we can control the weather, we can keep the rain out, keep the wind out, bring the cold air in through an AC unit, or in the winter we can heat it. So we can control our outer environment to some extent, or to a great extent. But no technology, no science can control this in here. For that you need bhakti. The more you attach your mind to God, the more control you get over your mind. So there's no magic pill to reduce anger, to reduce desires, to reduce hatred. Only bhakti can do that, only spiritual progress. So from so many different angles, even a materially minded person needs spirituality. Everybody needs God in their life. From the point of view of happiness, a totally materialistic person who says, I don't need God, okay then what do you want? I want happiness. I already explained, okay, have everything in this world, you still won't be happy. There's still something missing on the inside. Why is that missing? Because you are divine and the enjoyments of this world are material. So, it means you have to find divine happiness. Where is divine happiness? God. So you want to keep enjoying but being dissatisfied, ultimately, keep enjoying the world. You want to find ultimate happiness that will actually make you feel fulfilled. Like I said in the beginning, ah, I'm actually content. I'm fulfilled. When will that happen? 
when you attain God. That's it. Raso vaisah rasabvam yevayam labdhanandi bhavati. Taitariya Upanishad says, God is bliss and only by attaining Him can a soul become blissful. It's so simple. So even if someone doesn't believe in God, tell him, okay, then try and find happiness in the world. Here's a billion dollars, go and find happiness in the world. Once you've spent your billion dollars, come back to me and tell me, did you find happiness? He'll say, no, I'm still seeking, I still have the sa all the same desires I had before. Because you haven't found God, your soul is your true divine self, and your soul can only be satisfied with divine happiness. And all of this, it's two things. It's material and it's external. So what do we try to do? We try to find happiness by enjoying external things. A person, that person is not me, someone apart from me, and I say, you give me happiness. Behave this way and make me happy. Love me and make me happy. I say, I'm going to buy this thing and that's going to make me happy. So through our five senses, we try to enjoy things and people and through that, bring happiness inside from outside. It doesn't work that way. You have to find happiness on the inside. You can't bring it inside from somewhere else. And number two, those things are material. So how can a material thing give you divine happiness? It's impossible. You are not the body. If you were this physical body, you could have found happiness in physical things. But the very fact that no amount of material enjoyment will give you contentment, that proves that you are not material. You are beyond this material world and you need a happiness which is beyond material enjoyments. You need divine happiness. If you were the body, the world would have been enough for you. But you're not the body, you're the soul. So you'll only be happy when you find God. So from every angle, even a perfectly materialistically minded person needs God. He needs God for happiness. He needs God, even if he says, oh no, I don't want divine happiness, I just want to be peaceful in this world. Okay, how will you be peaceful when your mind is full of anger and jealousy and dishonesty? Oh, I'll control my mind. How will you control your mind? You need to do bhakti to control your mind. So even if you just want to live a normal, peaceful life in the world, you need God for that too. You have to attach your mind to God. That will purify your mind. Then you can be calm and a good person in this world. So, we examined one point of view. That is it possible for a totally materialistic person ignoring God altogether to find happiness? And the answer is no. So, extreme bhautik vad is not the answer. That's incorrect. So, it means that all we need is God. We don't need anything from this world. We don't need food. We don't need any kind of discipline. We don't need to look after our worldly responsibilities. All we need is to worship God. No, that's not correct either. So what is the right answer? I'll tell you tomorrow. We will continue this series tomorrow where I, I will explain to you that although getting happiness from God is our ultimate aim, that does not stand totally alone, meaning the way we live our life, we cannot just say, oh, this world doesn't matter. No, nothing in this world matters. This world is just illusion. All I need is God. That doesn't work either. So what, what does work? What are we supposed to do? I'll explain that tomorrow. And I'll also get into the next topic, which is addressing this apparent conflict between scientific thinking and faith. People say this is the modern age. I'm scientifically minded. I'm a rational person. How can I just have faith in God because my parents told me God exists? 
or because it's written in some scripture. Maybe that was good enough for people 20, 50, 100 years ago. That's not good enough for me anymore. I don't have blind faith. I need scientific proof. So until you can show me scientific proof of God's existence, why should I believe? And then there's someone on the other hand who says, no, but I want to believe in God. So can I both believe in God and believe in science? I'll answer this question tomorrow as well. And uh, now we'll spend the last uh, little part of this tonight's program doing some kirtan. I'll be finishing every night with some kirtan because it's not enough just to understand. We actually have to feel God's presence with us. And that's the greatest benefit of kirtan. That when you sing God's name, you can also meditate on his presence with you. So along with the intellectual understanding, you need to get an experience. Thus, while we're doing the kirtan, don't take it just as a song. Take it as the means of helping you remember God. So while we're singing, think of your own relationship with God and your own desire to meet God and sing along with the kirtan.